Well, good morning. I'm Keith, one of the pastors here, and I get the privilege of uh, sharing God's message with you uh, this morning. And uh, <clears throat> I, the words of that song kind of hit me in an unusual way this morning. It said, pain comes at night and joy in the morning. And uh, I know we had electricity. It was off for four and a half hours at our house last night. And then I turned the TV on and looked at the Ohio State and Purdue game. And uh, so I just want to say congratulations to you Purdue fans. So uh, you don't, don't get that very often, but I uh, wa- want to give you some, some applause and congratulations for winning that game, beating the number two team in the nation. And uh, so congratulations to that. As you can see, we're in the Good Life series, and we've talked about contentment, rest, guidance, the presence of God, and now we're going to talk about the provision of God. So uh, before we get to Psalm 123, I have a, just a, a question, question for you this morning. How many of you are eager... Uh, and ready to celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas. Anybody? Okay, how many of you are more eager about the food that accompanies those holidays? All right, yeah. It's interesting, when you start getting together with holidays and having those meals and those kind of things, then you have to figure out who's going to show up, how many people will there be there, then you go get the food, and then you start doing all the preparations. You might pull out your good china and do all those kind of things. But the hardest thing, I think, is getting all the food ready at the same time. So the part of it's not cold and part of it's not hot. And, uh, and some people are really, really good at that and getting it done at the same time. But you want to create the best atmosphere at the table and, and uh, with the meal that you can. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, how, how God uh, gives us abundant provision. And, uh, and in fact, uh, if I had to sum this up in one sentence, it would be God's abundant, or actually we could say his extravagant provision is what he gives to all of his people because he, he serves as the great shepherd and the ultimate host, host for any of our meals. So uh, we're going to be in Psalm 23 if you want to turn there or you can grab one of the Bibles in the, uh, the seat in front of you there. But if you are willing and able, would you please stand as we read Psalm 23 together if you would please. And we're going to be concentrating uh, this message on verse 5. Psalm 23 starting verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd... I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows." Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You may be seated. God is the ultimate host. And we're going to learn about that a little bit more this morning. It's interesting in verse 5 there, he says, God prepares before me, uh, or in the presence of my enemies, a table He prepares that for me. So uh, we're going to look at three different points. God prepares for us, God cares for us, and then God shares with us. So uh, as we look at the first one in verse 5 there, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And this verse is actually where he's really making that shift even stronger from just being a shepherd to actually serving as the host 
uh, for these meals. But even uh, David, as he's talking here, a shepherd, when he's preparing for his sheep, he would take them and go to the field and he would make sure there weren't any poisonous plants around or there were no lions or bears like David had to deal with, any other predators or, or anything that was hazardous to the sheep there in that field. Uh, I, now, we never had sheep, but I know growing up we had cattle. And one of the things we'd have to do if we had like an, a wind event like we had yesterday uh, we would go into the field and look for any limbs blowing off the cherry trees and make sure that they weren't out in the field because those cherry uh, leaves would be poisonous to the cattle. So we would go and get those things out of the way so that they didn't have to deal with that. So that's what God is as a shepherd, uh, and that's what David is talking about, God preparing for us. Then he talks about God as the host, which means God gives provision and protection. That's what a good host does. Make sure there's enough food and drink and that the people there are protected. But he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, how many of you ever had a meal and said, okay, we're not going to invite any friends, just invite all our enemies. Anybody ever done that? Yeah, that, that, that doesn't happen very often, does it? <laughs> that's not something that we do, but that's what God does. And David is saying, God prepares a table for me while all my enemies are right there in their face, looking at it, trying to get in, pressing in toward me. God is there in the presence of my enemies taking care of that. Now, that, that leads us to the question of, okay, who is my enemy? Who is my enemy? You know, a lot of times when we think of the word enemy, the first thing that comes to our mind is people who are against us, right? People who maybe are mistreating us or talking badly about us, posting things on social media about us that they shouldn't be, uh, those kind of things. We think about that as, as the kind of people. So let's look and see what Paul had to deal with. He was writing to a young man named Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, verses 14 through 18, and he says this. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to me but deserted me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood by me and he strengthened me, so that through the message, might, though through me, the message might be fully proclaimed that the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth, he says. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To be, him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So you see, it's interesting because when Paul is talking to this young man, he doesn't say, oh, and by the way, this Alexander the coppersmith who gave me a hard time, I want you to go after him. He doesn't say that, does he? He says God will take care of him, but beware of him. Watch out for him. Be cautious. And then he says, I was rescued from a lion's mouth. In other words, God helped me out of that situation. Uh, you may have heard this phrase before, so if you have, finish this for me, if you would, please. I don't get mad, I just get even. Oh, you've heard that before. Okay. Yeah, that's what the world says, isn't it? I don't get mad, I just get even. That is not what God says. In fact, that is, is completely opposite of what Jesus would say. So let's look and see, you know, how do we deal with our enemies according to Jesus? What does he say in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and 28? Jesus wants us to be countercultural, to go directly against what the culture would say. And he says this, but I say to you who hear, are we listening? Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. Wow. That's a little challenging, isn't it? You see, these people who might be our enemies, whether it's somebody at work 
or maybe it's somebody that you go to school with, or it's, uh, sometimes it can even be a family member who's just giving you all kinds of grief. And a lot of times we just want to lash back, but Jesus says, listen, pray for them, do good to them, bless them. Love them. Take care of them. And uh, that's, that's the way we should take care of our enemies. And you know, sometimes people can be difficult. But let's see what uh, the writer of Hebrews says in 13.6. Hebrews 13.6. Uh, the writer says, so we can confidently say. He doesn't say, we say, it, eh, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. He says, we confidently say this. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So what he's saying is, you know, men have a little bit of power and, and they might be able to physically harm us, but they really can't do anything long term to really hurt us because he said back there when he was talking to Timothy, the Lord will rescue me and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. So people, yes, they may be our enemies, but they're not our worst enemies or the most dangerous enemies that we have to deal with. So let's look very quickly at who our most dangerous enemies are. We're going to look in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. The first enemy that's really, really dangerous we have to watch out for is uh, that of Satan and evil forces. So Ephesians 6, starting verse 10, says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, we're not fighting against men alone. There's something more important and more dangerous here. He says, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all you can to stand firm. So put on the armor of God that God provides for us so we can stand firm because a worse enemy than just people is that of Satan and the evil forces who follow him. We call them today, they, those would be demons. Especially as we, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you, but a lot of times I hate October TV. Because all it seems like you see on there is scary, nasty, evil stuff. But we have victory over Satan and the evil forces through Jesus Christ. So we don't need to be afraid of that kind of stuff. Well then the second thing that, that's a more dangerous enemy than people is that the, the world. The world. So let's look at that. Uh, from, uh, from where John is writing in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's pretty plain and simple. All that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world, and is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God Abides how long? Forever. Abides forever. Yeah, this world and the world system is pulling against us. We had an opportunity, um, my wife and I, to go to uh, Sonoma, California and visit with family. And it, it, was, it was a great visit. Sonoma is just a beautiful place. It's a great place to be. But I'll tell you what really smacked me in the face was the control of the things of the world in that area. It, it is just amazing how... You know, the, the, the different vehicles that you have to drive, the, the number of mansions that you see. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to be rich and know Jesus. That's, there's, that's a great thing, to be rich and to love Jesus and to use what you have for him. But this world, a lot of times, distracts us and pulls us away from loving Jesus. And those things can become more important to us than he himself. 
So we have to be cautious of that. The world wants to pull us away from the Lord God. So Satan is evil forces. We have to watch out. They're dangerous. The world is dangerous because it can pull us away. But uh, John said, greater is he who is in you than he who is what? In the world. Jesus is greater than who's in the world. But be cautious that the things of the world don't pull us away. I was amazed. I don't know about you, but I feel a lot better about the house I live in after visiting in California uh, because... uh, (laughs) A 1,200-square-foot house in that area is over $600,000. So that that, that would be a tough place to live in because of the high high cost of living there. But it's a beautiful place, and I love visiting relatives there because they give us a place to stay. So so that's a good thing. But, uh, yeah, we we need to watch out for Satan, evil forces of the world. And then, finally, one of the, the most insidious of our enemies is our own flesh our own sinful nature. And and let's see what uh, the Apostle Paul said to Galatians. I say, walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now listen to the war he's talking about here. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You're freed from that. So you see, our flesh is constantly pulling us back away from God and from doing God's will because it wants to keep us ensnared in some kind of sin. And Paul is saying here, be cautious. There's a battle going on. Let God, let God be the victor. He will help you. So the question here I have for you is, um, are you on God's team? Or are you on the other team? Are you a part of Jesus' family? Or would you be the enemy trying to press in and find out what can I do to get all these good things that God is providing? What can I do to, to know Jesus better? He prepared a table for us, David says, in the presence of our enemies. Now, it, there are all kinds of examples throughout the Bible where God actually did this. You remember when the Israelites were in, in, in Israel? Uh, well, actually, they weren't in Israel yet. They were, in, they were going to the promised land. They were stuck in the desert. For over 40 years. And while they were there, it it was a rough, harsh place. But God provided for them. Moses would strike the rock, and what would come out of the rock? Water. So God provided water in the desert. And then they'd wake up in the morning, and it was amazing because in the morning in the desert, they'd look on the floor there, and there was bread that they could eat called manna. And then times, God would just send a rain of birds so that they'd have all kinds of meat to eat. So God provided that table for them in the presence of even the enemies that totally surrounded them. You see, God sees and he prepares for us. He provides for us. That's the first point in in verse 5 there. God prepares for us. The second thing is that God cares for us. God cares for us. Well, in, in, uh, in verse 5b it says, you anoint my head with oil. You anoint my head with oil. In uh, the shepherd when, when the sheep would come in in the evening, what he would do is he'd look at the, sh- the sheep's face and see if they'd gotten in any briars or anything and rub some oil on there to try to heal up those, uh, those gashes that they had. Uh, also, they, flies really bother sheep. And so they'd put some of that oil on there and give them relief. So those minor irritations they got really, really tired of. And so they would put that oil on there to help them feel better so they could go rest and, and enjoy the time there. 
Well, God is, uh, is the great shepherd. And you know, back then they had all kinds of different oil. They had healing oil. They had cooking oil. They had oil for anointing those who were in leadership or service. Like when uh, Samuel came to David, he anointed him with oil and said, you're going to be the king of Israel. And they also have lamp oil. Lamp oil. But it's interesting, when uh, a host would have people coming to see him, there are certain things that happened during the time of Jesus to take good care of people who were coming to a banquet or a meal that you were serving. The first is the servants would wash their feet. Uh, you know, the host didn't do that. The servants did that. And they'd wash their feet uh, because it was a dry climate and dirty and, and your feet were nasty. And then they would come up to the host and the host would give them a kiss, kind of like what they do in Europe, you know, kind of this thing, uh, just a, a gentle uh, peck on the cheek or even just a motion. And, and they would give them a kiss and then they would give them some oil and they could put it on their face if they wanted to. Remember, it's a dry climate. And so they could take that oil and they could rub it on their faces because your skin would get chapped and, and dry. And, and that oil that they would use would oftentimes have fragrance in it. Because let's be honest, back then they didn't bathe as much as we do. And so that was a helpful thing. Uh, and that was actually before the Saturday night rule came into effect. You know what that is? right? Once a week, whether you need it or not, you're going to take a bath or a shower on Saturday night. So when you go to church on Sunday, everybody can handle you being there. right? Um, that was before all that came into play. Uh, so, it's interesting because that word for anoint actually means to satisfy with good health. And the word for oil means richness or plentiful. And, and that's what God is, is taking care of here. He's providing us with the oil that we need. Uh, David, when he was writing in Psalm 45, verses 6 through 8, said this, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a, is a scepter of uprightness. And you loved righteousness and you hated wickedness. Therefore, God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Your robes are all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. So the oil of gladness is what God gives to us. The oil of gladness. So he not only prepares for us, but he cares for us. He cares for us. We're going to watch a video here. I want to just set this up very quickly. But basically, in this video, there's this woman of ill repute, this, this prostitute, who comes to this Pharisee's house where he's providing a meal for Jesus. Let's see what happens there. This Pharisee invited Jesus to have dinner with him. And Jesus went to his house and sat down to eat. Come along, children. Off you go. You heard me. Go. And up to all the mischief going with him. Good, son. <laughs> what is she doing here? I don't Two men who owed money to a moneylender. One owed him 500 silver coins, the other 50. Neither of them can pay him back, so he 
cancel the debts of both. Which one then will love him more? I suppose that it would be the one who is forgiven more. You are right. You see this woman? I came into your home. You gave me no water for my feet. She has washed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You did not welcome me with a kiss. Since I came, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You provided no olive oil for my head. But she has anointed my feet with perfume. I tell you then, the great love she has shown proves that her many sins are forgiven. But whoever is forgiven little shows only a little love. Your sins are forgiven you. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You see, Jesus had the power to forgive sins while he was here on this earth as well. And he helped this lady. He showed her love and forgiveness. He cared for her. Even though she had this sinful life, he tried to help her have a, a, a new start with that. It's interesting, in verse 4 uh, of the, the Psalm 23 there, uh, we looked at last week, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. You ever felt like you've been in that valley of the shadow of death where just everything is caving in on you and it's just, life just feels awful and everything is going wrong? That's where Jesus steps in and helps us and cares for us and encourages us. He loves us and provides for us. I, I recall one time in my life, uh, several years ago, uh, where I, was, uh, I had a ministry and I was at this church and uh, things were going really, really well. Our attendance had almost doubled in size at this church. And uh, we had uh, more people come to Christ within the two years that I was there than they'd had the previous eight years at that congregation. The offerings were up. It was just, it was going really, really well and, and was enjoying that ministry. And then I went to this seminar about finances and how you handle church finances and came back and shared with the board some of the things that I'd learned and some ideas and things like that. And then uh, they came up to me and they said... Uh, you need to leave. You're fired. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you've been fired, you know what that feeling is like. It's not a good experience. And in fact, to make it worse, I had two kids. We were living in the church parsonage. So not only did I lose my job, but I lost my house too. But you know, God was faithful because it was interesting, just a few days later, here, here came the, the Baptist pastor that I was friends with, played sand volleyball with, and he said, hey, we heard about what happened. Here, here's a check from our church to help you guys through this difficult time. And then I had another friend from a church of God who basically they did the same thing. You know, God took care of us. He provided for us. Even though it wasn't something that, that I feel like God really wanted, it was something he permitted. And it was an unpleasant situation, but God took care of us because God loves us and cares for us. And that's where it comes in uh, handy to know 
the, uh, the, the best anointing that we have. 1 John chapter 2, verses 20 and 26 through 27, we realize the best anointing that we have is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. God gives to us His Spirit. Um, John says this, But you've been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you have received from him abides in you. That's the Holy Spirit. And you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you, the Holy Spirit, about everything, and this is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. So you see, even through these valleys of the shadow of death, God's Spirit is with us. And shows us that he cares for us. That's why uh, Paul told the Romans that, listen, even though you may not know how to pray, you're in such pain and such a groaning, you don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit is praying for you, interceding to God on your behalf. Jesus cares for us. And he takes good care of us. Well, before we leave uh, this idea of uh, you anoint my head with oil, you know, the anointing, one of the things that we do here, we believe that James chapter 5 is still... Um, practical for today where it says if if anyone is sick among you he can call for the elders and they will come and and anoint him with oil and pray over him and ask in the lord's name and the lord will heal them and answer their prayer and if there's been a sin that that sin will be forgiven but you know sometimes god heals our physical uh, ailments and sometimes we have the ultimate healing where we go to be in jesus presence in his very presence interesting though paul had the ability to heal. <laughs> it, the Bible even talks about how sometimes if, if there was a handkerchief that Paul touched, if someone would just take that handkerchief and, and they would touch it, they would be healed. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Paul was a healer. But it's interesting because he couldn't heal himself of, of one ailment that he had, an affliction. And he, he went to God three times and he says he pleaded with God, God, please take this affliction away from me. For 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10, here's what Paul said happened with that. After three times begging God to take this away, but he, talking about God, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on me for the sake of Christ then. I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. What he's saying is, you know what? God let me have this physical affliction, and it made me weak, but it made me stronger because instead of relying on me, I'm relying on God. I'm trusting in him. God cares for us, and he wants to help us. He wants to provide even through our weaknesses. and takes care, for, takes care of us. We just need to fully trust him and follow after him. So God prepares for us. God cares for us. And then finally, the third thing we see in verse 5 here is that God shares with us. God shares with us because he loves us and cares for us and wants to meet, meet our needs. It's interesting. We have from God, uh, just follow me over here if you would. He, from God, he gives us access to what is actually extra. Remember that verse? It says, uh, my cup overflows. My cup overflows. Now, this is a little bigger than a normal cup. I understand that. But it's to make a point. This is the kind of cup that Jesus says, I'm going to fill it up, and it's going to keep overflowing. Because I want you to be filled. 
In so many different ways, God is talking about. I want you to be filled. My cup overflows, David says. Because God takes care of my physical needs. He provides all that I have. Everything that I have comes from God. Let's look in 2 Corinthians, if you would, uh, chapter 9, verses 10 through 12. He takes care of our physical needs. He puts it this way. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will provide thanksgiving to God for the ministry of this service. They're talking about a gift sent from Jerusalem to the, or from Macedonia to Jerusalem to help people in need. It's not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing with thanksgiving to God. So he says, you'll be able to have some, you'll have your basic needs met, but you'll have extra so you can be generous with other people. Isn't that nice to know? God gives to us, and many people he prospers. Uh, have you noticed there's uh, some little lottery that uh, is just slightly over a billion dollars now? You know, I hope that whoever wins that will actually take that and use it and share it with others. Imagine what you can do for God and his kingdom with a, a billion dollars. Take that and use it for God. That's why God gives to us, so he can supply our physical needs. He gives us our basics, but then he also gives us some so that we have extra. Let me ask you this question. When's the last time you thank God for his provision, for what he provided? Beyond just grace at, at the, the, the table for the food he provided. All the other things. When's the last time we did that? Uh, anybody here, a parent? Okay, yeah, parents, when your kids are younger, one of the things you have to teach your kids is, and you say, what? You know, now you say, thank you, right? You know, you teach them. It's really cool when they get to be older and you don't have to say, and you say, you know, and they just say thank you. It was fun because our, our daughter came home just last week uh, from college, and while she was there, she said, my tire light came on. Can you check my tires, please? So I checked them, and guess what? All four tires needed air. And I put the air in it, and then it was really neat because I didn't have to go to her and say, and you say, yeah, I didn't have to do that. Uh, but, but before she left, she, she gave me a hug. She said, hey, thanks again for fixing my tires. Those are the kind of thank yous we like to hear as parents, isn't it? We like to hear that. God wants to hear from us for us to say thank you. We take so many things for granted our electricity was out four and a half hours last night. I don't take electricity for granted anymore. It woke me up to, wow, we really rely on this. God takes care of us, provides our physical needs. That's why Paul wrote to the Philippians said, My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To God our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. He provides for us. If he cares for the birds, he's going to care for us. Not only does he provide our, spirit, our physical needs, but he provides spiritual needs. Timothy, uh, Paul wrote again to him in, in 1 Timothy 1, verses 15 through 17. And he says, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Now, why would he say that? Because he actually helped to arrest and kill Christians. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost or the chief of sinners... Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be glory and honor forever and ever. 
Isn't that interesting? Here he is, he's saying, I'm the worst of sinners, but Jesus died for me to make an example, to say, hey, look at what I've done. I was so terrible. I'm the worst of sinners, but he saved me. And then he breaks into a bunch of praise words right there, just thanking God for what he had done. So God cares with us, we, and we should also be thankful to him for what he has provided. The worst of sinners. Then in Psalm chapter 16, verse 5, David said this, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. So he's saying, you know what? This cup isn't just about what you drink. Jesus is my cup. Jesus is my cup. So let me ask you this question. When's the last time other people saw you and I overflowing with Jesus? When's the last time they could observe Jesus overflowing through our lives? When have people seen that? We have been given so many abundant blessings by God. He even allows us the privilege of someday being with him in heaven forever. He provides for us so very, very well. Because he prepares for us, he cares for us, and then he shares with us. Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21 says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, in other words, it's like super abundantly, than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amazing. He can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. That's who Jesus is, and we need to be thankful for that. Well, as we close out, what I'd like to do is review quickly and, and provide some application to this, some practical things that we can do. You know, God prepares for us, he cares for us, and he shares with us. So in each of these sections, what I'd like for you to do is just take a moment and just quietly talk with God about some of these things that, that I bring to your mind. Um, how have you seen God working in your life? How have you seen him preparing things? to work in your life. I remember when I, I went to uh, uh, Ohio State University and then I transferred to Kentucky Christian. Just a, a year later or so, I looked back and I saw how God had been preparing me even through middle school and high school to not become an architect and build buildings, but to build, become a pastor and build people instead. God had been preparing me for that. I didn't realize it till later, but he did that. How has God prepared something in your life for him to accomplish through you? Paul said the Lord will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. What about Satan and the world and the flesh and even enemy people? What about those things that are trying to pull you away from God? Just think of somebody that maybe you consider an enemy or some, some challenge in your life, some sin that perhaps has a hold on you. Ask God to help you to be freed from that because he's already accomplished that the question if you're a Christian and you just need to live that out so ask him for strength and power through the Holy Spirit to do that how has God encouraged you lately how has he encouraged you and, and how are we then encouraging others because we receive encouragement from him and what has God provided for you lately that you haven't said thank you for yet What has God provided for you? You know, God 
prepares for us, he cares for us and shares with us. 1 John 5, 5, John wrote these words, Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Who is it that overcomes the world? Only those who truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, he's not just talking about somebody who has it in their head, but it's someone who believes it so much that they fully trust and obey and surrender Jesus Christ, that he's in their life, that they fully trust him. We overcome because we believe in Jesus as the Son of God. So Jesus actually is the ultimate preparation and caring and sharing that God has for us. That's why the Bible says in the fullness of time, Jesus was sent forth. He came, he lived a sinless life, he died on the cross, taking your sin and my sin on the cross. He was buried, he rose again, he's alive today, raised back from the, from the dead. He is alive right now and, and he makes it possible for us to have his righteousness if we just simply give our life to him and trust him fully and obey his word. We just need to trust him because he is the shepherd of our soul and the ultimate host. One last scripture I want to read. Ephesians chapter 2. God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us with even when we were dead in our trespasses. Just like the, the prostitute on the screen. He made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved. It's not something we deserve or earn. And he raised us up with him and seated him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. This is not of your own doing, it's the gift of God, not the result of works so that nobody can boast. No one can boast. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God, and here's that word again, prepared in advance or prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God prepares for us, he cares for us, and he shares with us. Do we trust him? The neat thing is, Jesus said, uh, if I go away, I'm going to prepare a place so that where I am, you can be there also. Heaven is such a great place, it's not going to be hot one day and cold the next day like it is here in Indiana. Heaven's going to be the perfect climate. And Jesus himself will be there. And we'll get to look at God and see his glory and his majesty as we have never seen it. We'll be with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. You know, God pray, prepares for us, he cares for us, and he shares. The question is, Will we love him in return? David the psalmist wrote about him and about his great preparation and caring and sharing. Let's love him today. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you do love us. You prepare for us. You care for us. Lord, uh, we, uh, we don't deserve any of this. And in fact, a lot of times when we, we start thinking about it, it's really hard to comprehend the depth and the length and the breadth of your love. But thank you that you love us so very, very much. Lord, thank you that you cause our cup to overflow, that you anoint us with your Holy Spirit. It's just a great gift to have you actually in our presence wherever we are. Lord, help us to listen to your Spirit. Help us to follow after you. And we just want to thank you for loving us. May our lives show you that we love you in return. In Jesus' name we praise you.
Amen.